and welcome to Artbox DNV. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I continue my conversation with Daniel Shepherd, aka Attaboy. We talk about his solo show from last year at the Compound Gallery and his time in a band and, among other things, a documentary that he was in. The first part of this interview, we talked about Game of Shrooms. To hear that part of the conversation, go to the website at artboxdmv.com. So, with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Let's do a major pivot now. Uh, uh-huh. So, what's up with your latest artwork? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the Metamorphic. Uh, you had an opening last year. It was in October uh, at the Compound, and yes. And the last time you and I talked, I and I still love them. Uh, you were painting rocks. You know, I was telling you at the time about uh, reminded me of Plato's kind of philosophy of like you know the ideal thing. You know, it's like, and you were kind of reimagining that. And since then, the work has just gone it's gone off the hook. I love it because now you have all these shapes and you're playing with background and foreground and you know, you're really, it's getting depth and a lot of movement in the work. And then it all accumulated into this one show. So I want to know what's, are you still working on this series or are you starting to move on from this series? I don't, it just all kind of evolves. It's interesting. I tried to paint a, a rock painted like a rock um the other day and it was hard it was, hmm. it was definitely hard to get my mind back there and yeah. uh looking back i think they're okay but they're different you know everything changes and and, and evolves and metamorphizes right so <laughs> right that, yeah uh, that's the idea yeah i started kind of pushing the two and a half d into almost into sculptures yeah and then with wood and just getting really involved in, in that. And that's been really fantastic. And I've created this kind of garden of these kind of almost, I don't know, stalactite, stalagmite kind of growth forms. And it's a lot more abstract than the other, even the rocks were. The rocks were kind of abstract in, them, in themselves. But yeah, so it's taken some of the approach of that, but done, I don't know. I just know it's it's really fun to do and I'm <laughs> having a good time doing it. And it's and it's evolving. It's always evolving. And sometimes I'll go back and be like, okay, let me try to make a painting of rocks, painted like rocks. And again, it's hard, but they come out different, which is interesting. So then it comes out to be something that's like, neither rock neither cell form or cloud form i don't know what what they are and uh so i i am the more i look at art during the pandemic i've got really into watching uh youtube videos on on our screen in the living room yeah Uh, not on my phone and not on my computer and i just started watching all these art documentaries and a lot of art documentaries on folks i wasn't even interested in yeah and i think we might have talked about that you know back then but so did these documentaries that watching of these artists, did they kind of push you in a new direction or just you started thinking things about your work differently or? Yes. Yes. I think that the big thing was one, I felt instantly like old because most of these guys kind of made a name for themselves when they were in their twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but more than that, I was like, well, screw that. You know, yeah. uh, you know, we're all going to, the sun's going to explode and then there'll be no Mona Lisa. So it doesn't matter. But, that that is true sad but true <laughs> so, yeah so if you're doing things for this big museum in the sky after you're dead then you're doing the wrong thing i think so yeah. I, I was looking at who's who was happy and who wasn't and who was content hmm. because and i found that a couple things one finding the way you work happiest can change everything hmm. so uh, I, I don't know how to phrase it correctly but the 
to, I like to work quickly. Yeah. And once I discovered that I don't like planning, but I plan through making lots of things. Yeah. And that I'll just make another iteration or ideation or, and I'll just make another one and then I'll cut it off and infuse it with another one that didn't work to see if there's a third one that works. Huh. And then I'll take the scraps of the one of the two things that are on the floor. And then that will be the, my favorite thing I made all month. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and once I realized that, that, and it's a, it's a mixture of, uh, I don't know, free association almost like improv, but also playing with blocks, Yeah, and, you know, it felt like playing with blocks and shapes and, and different things. And there's such a free, it's play. It's really what it is. It's, it's play. Well, that makes sense about why you're kind of moving into more the, the three-dimensional structural type of stuff then. Yeah. Yeah. And I still do paintings, but oh, I oh, just, I yeah. usually when it, and I've just had too much dust in my lungs, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay, I need to, let me just, you know, and I'll do painting. And the thing is, even the sculptures are paintings to me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not the best sculptor in the world, or at least I'm not the best craftsman <laughs> as far as the, you know, all the different, you know, how to join things and do things. I'm getting better. I've gotten a lot better, but really the magic seems to happen. Also, the second part is the painting of them. Yeah. So, and that's just as fun and it's a challenge and it's fun. And it's what I was trying to do with the, the 2D work anyways. Yeah. So it's, it's been really, um, and it, by the way, as an artist, it's easier to sell things that are, you know, on the wall instead of a sculpture. But yeah, nobody, I, I mean, nobody has sculpture space. Everybody has walls. No, space. everyone has wall space. Yeah, that's true. But that shouldn't yeah. limit anyone, no. including yourself. Why, why making making sales that were never factored in before? So why start now? Yeah, um, exactly. But, yeah, you're a little late to the game in that <laughs> regards. Yeah, yeah. So that was the one thing was finding the way that works best for you. And why you do the work. So, I, you know, if you do it in a therapy way, in a play way, uh, then I, and I'm not drawing them out and planning each one. I don't like that part of it. I do enough of that in my life. So I don't want to plan in the art space. I, you know, I, I want to explore and I want to make a lot of things in case one goes wrong. And at least I made something that day that I'm, I'm pretty happy with, you know. And then the second thing is that I want to find a language of my own. And that's something mm. I found in those documentaries. Mm, I see. Um, I see. You understand like that, that kind yes. of a thing. Yeah. Where if you notice like a, you know, even artists there, I'm not a big fan of. I was like, well, that's their own. You wouldn't mistake that with anyone else. That's true. Yeah. It, it is a way of, they're telling their story, so to speak. You know, documentaries kind of bring that out, you know, as we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And, I, I could see how just watching these things uh, or watching these documents, especially the art ones, can kind of poke in the back of your brain about giving you some ideas without even realizing it. So almost subconscious, you know, because uh, when I was watching, uh, what was it called? I want to say as a, oh, my child can paint that. It was a, basically about this young girl who was, you know, a, a paint prodigy. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. I've seen then, them all. I yeah, well, I was gonna say you probably have seen them all. Yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, I watched that one, and then literally two weeks later, I watched the other one about who was Jackson Pollock, and it was a truck yeah. driver who bought uh, a Jackson Pollock in an antique store, mm -hmm. and you no know, one believed her that it was actually Jackson Pollock, even though they got all the research done. So it's like, wow. So no matter what, no matter how hard mm -hmm. I work, no one's gonna believe it. So yeah. you can abstract those kind of things out of there, you know. And then one of the more recent ones that uh, was about that museum in Boston that they had that series on uh, talking about the big heist. And still, you know, no one knows where these paintings are. 
Yeah. And that, that's the other thing is like nothing is ever safe. So you know. yeah, I've seen all those. Yeah. By the yeah. way, that's really what I watch more than anything else is art documentaries, and yeah. especially an artist I don't. I'm not a the, a big fan of like Rothko. I wasn't a big fan of him at all. Mm, yeah. um, I didn't understand them because there was so much artitude behind it. And, yeah. and what I realized time and time again, that it's not the artist usually. Nope. It, Rothko was from what I know, I'm not a, I, I'm not a, a, um, a, an expert by no means on any of this folks, but, but Rothko was like a, a near communist. <laughs> If he not was, I, if I remember, it was a while ago. It was in the middle of pandemic fog, but I think he was a communist. <laughs> no, I think he <laughs> or, actually or was a heavy socialist. But my point yeah. is that it was one point in that documentary where his family member said that he would be freaking out that his stuff was being auctioned off for so much money, but more than that to the people who were buying it. Yeah, and he did a whole project for Tavern on the Green, thinking it was going to be like a place for the people. Yep. But then and ending up being for you know, for kind of snooty people. And then he gave back the money that they paid him to do it. I didn't um, know that part. So that kind of thing gave me a lot of respect for him as a person. Right. And I realized I associated critics and the collectors with his work, divorced that from the work. And usually it's not the artist. Monet, I wasn't the biggest fan of Monet. We always think of calendars and things like that. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. No, he was just like, really surly guy especially in his old age and he's yeah. like yelling at the wind yep. <laughs> and throwing things at the wind right yeah and, and like hanging out and painting in boats yep. and like painting you know like van gogh did that too those guys just love to be in the elements right oh yeah so, and that was a big deal back then that was kind of their punk rock right they're like we're going to be in the elements we're going to be in our painting we're going to be paint everywhere and we're going to do it the idea of him being the precursor to abstract when his eyesight left, yep. people like Pollock and folks uh, looked back on his work as like some of the first abstract conceptual work. And it also helped that he was, he was going blind. He was going blind, yeah. But also the fact that he loved creating, and that's the thing that, you know, like you said, yeah. I kind of gained respect because he mm -hmm. just loved creating. He liked making stuff. He did not want to stop that because he couldn't see. Yes. And, you know, yes. you, you got to exactly. give respect to exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all those things, I was taking those things from it because... I'd always just have a blind eye to all the, um, a lot of abstract work, especially. Yeah. And just kind of like associate it with a certain kind of exclusionary thinking. It was nice to go, wait a minute, just because I'm not drawn to it or like it doesn't mean I shouldn't learn about these folks. Let me go back and, and learn. And there's some bad documentaries. Well, yeah. Uh, that one in Caravaggio is horrible. Uh, but and it's hard for me to say something horrible about a documentary. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's that's like your your love, your yeah, guilty pleasure. Yeah, but, but man, some people, they just get... Uh, but there's, <laughs> with the exception of Louise Bourgeois, I, I don't know how to say her name correctly. I You know, there's a lot of, some words that you read, but you don't say very out loud. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, but, I do that all the time too. You, you know her work, right? You've yeah. seen her spider in DC, I'm sure, right? Well, you know, yeah. In that, Hello. Yeah. In that park. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. But with the exception of her, most of these artists were pretty down to earth, okay? She was on another planet. I don't know if she was just getting revenge on people <laughs> with with her vocabulary and her thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, oh, now you're paying attention to me? Yeah. Well, here's this, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to throw this at you. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, she sounded like somebody who, you know, you kind of would want to hang out with. But most of these artists are pretty down to earth. And it was the critics and the... Is arterati a, a word? 
but no, but we can make it one. Let me write that down. Yeah, art. exactly. Let's make that word up. Art uh, but the okay. that the curators and the docents and all of oh, all the people, it was like they're standing in the way sometimes. Sometimes they do uh, get in the way. It, I agree. Yeah, it's like they they need to overcompensate for the work or something. Uh, well, I mean, not for the work, but for the fact that it's being shown or, or something. I, I, I don't know, but but for years, it kept me away from even appreciating the work or the artists on a, on a regular person level. Right, yeah, because it's so easy to forget about. They were just humans, you know, they liked eating mac and cheese like I do. And it's, like you said, you could, you know, a lot of people put them on a pedestal and you kind of go, well, I'm, I'm not leaning to that. But then when you really start to do a deep dive and you start really realizing this, this is this guy was just wanting to create. He just wanted to make stuff. She wanted to make stuff. They just are creators and they love making things. Yes. And they made things and they found their own language to yeah. do it. And yes. At least that's modern or the contemporary thinking. I th It seems to be, again, not yeah. an expert, especially in that world, but that idea yeah. of they found their own language to uh, like whether it was Keith Haring yeah. or or whoever found their own way to to express what they wanted to or relieve themselves <laughs> with art yeah that that's another way of saying it too it's like relieve themselves of it you know it's like i just got to get this off alpha me i got to get it out of me yeah yes yeah and i i can relate to that i just said you okay know, you know too. this yeah. art is not but they they're, they're going for something and they can only do it so i when I would do stuff, I, I would go, wait a minute, I don't like it. Or, you know, the world I came from, the art school, uh -huh. I'm thinking was you wanted to look good yeah. or you wanted to appear a certain way, look right. And so now when I do things that, quote, don't look right or weren't, quote, successful, I go, wait a minute, but is that is that something that only I'm doing right now or something that I'm interested in pursuing? Right. And maybe I should get more of that. In fact, let me take all the things I don't like about it and let me do that times 10. <laughs> times, yeah, not, not five, 10. Yeah, but... To, Why not go 10? to 11? And, and what am I going to lose? A day or two, you know? Well, yeah. Um, especially if I work quickly, you know? Right, yeah. And yeah. then I can experiment and learn. And that was the other thing is like, I during the pandemic, I was thinking with these documentaries, I just said, I need to keep learning yes. because uh, I need to listen to new music and see new art and see art I didn't even like <laughs> and understand it or try to get behind, you know? Get right. At least... Well, Get out of your comfort yeah. zone. It's it's a good thing to always get, yeah. get out of that comfort zone, you know. And correct, um, correct. I think it's important because you is. get stagnant. And well, as an artist, continue. or as a creator, yeah. I should say, as a creator, it's you need to occasionally get out of your comfort zone, you know. Yeah. Um, because like yeah. when I went to art school, they basically just try to bat out of you any kind of style. Well, I went to a particular type of school. So, you know, they, yes. they you're not really encouraged to develop a style. You're just basically trained to reproduce a style, you know. Um, yes. And so when I yeah. started going out on my own, I basically was just following that line, hook, line, sinker. And uh, nowadays I'm free of that and I, I'm happier for that. So it's, Yeah, I think that is something that the more outsider artists, if you, you learn about and you see the outsider artists in the area you're in, is is, is like... Uh, it's just filled with outsider artists. It's pretty much. South, right? Yeah. And I know a few personally, you know, that they yeah. do a few crazy stuff. And the thing is, is that they just, and, and that's how I kind of came to the philosophy. It's like, you're just a creator. If you love yeah. creating, if you like making things, then you're going to push yourself to do things that you normally didn't 
would do, want to do, know how to do, and you just figure it out and you start doing it because you like what you're seeing, you're seeing the result, it brings you joy, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes, and that is, that's a big thing. It and, is. And it's I didn't have thing. joy for so long, for right. so many, so many years. I, I, You know, I had such a struggle with it, and I, I don't know why I continued doing it, but I <laughs> felt like I, I, I needed to do it. And I, I, but now I can, I can just be really happy making, and in fact, sometimes I have to just contain the joy and just be like, all right, calm down. Yeah. Let's just focus in for a second, you know, um, because I'll end up hamstring in my studio or in my office here and I'll just, I'll look up and I'm surrounded by jars of paint. I'm just surrounded by, and I, I'm like working on my lap, you know, <laughs> I end up, I have no table space. Yeah. Um, so I can relate well, to that. You're just a creative at, at heart, no matter what. Uh, I was going to also ask you, so with, with your show, I, I noticed that you came mm -hmm. out with a catalog. Yes. So if someone was interested in looking at or purchasing or where to find this catalog, where would they be able to find it? You can get that at the compound gallery off of their site over there. They have them and they're all signed in, in little doodles in them and stuff, little, little drawings in each one. Those drawings were done while I was watching our documentaries, probably. <laughs> oh, there <laughs> that's you usually go. how it works. Yeah. But that's actually kind of nice that you signed and doodled them. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty well, cool. Well, you know, if somebody's going to go out of the out of their way and, and get it, then, yeah, I want each one to be a little bit different if I can. Yeah, I don't blame you. It makes it unique, and every single one's unique. So you could literally have one person buy all of them, or you can have a lot of people buy all of them. So, you know, I, and I think, is it, is it um, at the compound? Is it like uh, on their website or, oh, oh here it is, uh, shopcompound.com. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if you search Attaboy, you'll see all the things I have available through them. I have a drawer there and I have some artwork in there as well as different experiments I do and studies. And then they're kind of my go-to for things. And I also have some work over at the Mortal Machine Gallery in New Orleans. And they have their right on Royal Street. I, I exhibit things there as well. But Compound Gallery is my go-to. It's where I made my where I make a lot of the sculptures uh, using their tools. And when I was first starting, I didn't know how to use a cordless screwdriver. So Wow. Yeah. I had a fear of tools almost. Oh really? I mean, I would I would borrow my wife's tools all the time. Well, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. Uh, I am scared of using the serger. The serger yes. is what serges, you know, fabric together, but it has all these needles and these little knives that are, you know, that you feed your fingers into. And if you're not careful, it can just stab you. Yes, those I've used a serger before. And when I was doing plush toys, oh, toy school, know. and that thing is scary. Yes. So, yeah, be yeah, careful I, of that. Yeah. Um, also, those industrial sewing machines, oh, the yeah. Juki sewing machines yes. and... Uh, my wife's got one that came from the Philippines, one of those industrial-looking ones. Man, those things can, I don't know. Seems like it wants to give you a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think you need a tattoo. No, I, I, yeah. I, I don't. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm good. Exactly. But yeah. but thank you. But no, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not yeah. scared of the table saw. I'm not scared of the panel saw or the yeah. jigsaw or, or a welder yeah. or even a plasma torch, you know, all that stuff. It, but the <laughs> serger is the one where I, 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 I draw the line there. Yeah, no, it's actually the scariest thing at the shop is one of those belt sanders, honestly. Yeah. I, that, that thing can be the scariest thing around. In fact, I know people are hardcore woodworkers who yeah. are in there and they just go, yeah, I don't touch that thing. Because hmm. uh, it's all sense of confidence yep. and you're in there and then you hit a knot in the wood or something. And, and then, then the wind goes across yeah. the room. Yep. 
and it goes flying or something. So, uh, yeah, actually the most dangerous things I've encounters I've had so far, knock on uh, plastic here is, um, is, is yeah, I'm knocking on for you, wood for you. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, doing that show there was really fantastic because I got to kind of customize the walls, the outside, you know, the doorway. I didn't and realize that. It was in the middle of a pandemic, so we didn't know if people would come, and, and they did. And it, you could just see, it's weird, you couldn't see their faces, but you could see it in their eyes. They were just so happy to think about something else for change. You well, know. yeah, and to see art, it always brings me joy to look at art, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, I was just, I couldn't be happier. I mean, editing it down, the show down was hard. I bet, um, I, I, bet. I had, a, you know, a, a ton of work, but we just, we figured out what would work, and uh, and they were great collaborators. Matt and Lena over there were great collaborators, and it was just a really, it was nice. It was like showing me in, 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 a, in my home or something, because, you know, ha- half the stuff was made in some form there. And it's not that far away from me. It's 15 minutes away from me. So it was just really uh, fantastic. And and uh, the rocks just looked beautiful and everybody. Well, the presentation. So, it's yeah. just amazing how they look so much different under a light on a pedestal. You know, <laughs> Maybe it's just the magic of a white pedestal. You know, it's. I got to tell you, yeah. it does change everything. It does. It, it's when it's more of a, a conceptual piece, I think it, it really does help. And uh did a great job in you know and presenting it right and and also informing people when they came in what they were looking at and yeah and and being really generous with their time and they're very uh encouraging when people come in or who are just poking around and curious people they really right. have respect for whoever comes in whether they're buying something from the vending machine or buying a work for a few thousand dollars is just they 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 still give everybody the same amount of time and and uh consideration well that that is actually very nice and it helps kind of you know demystify about like what people think of galleries you know yeah and and yeah. you know with attitudes or do i have to pay to come in here you know i've yeah. you know, that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff well sometimes they do at different places yeah they yeah understand. yeah but yeah or sometimes most of the time you just go you know the person won't even look up and acknowledge your existence oh yeah i've experienced that from yeah uh, yeah oh yeah yeah. yeah, or it's too much. Like they get in people's face too much, and and that's the other thing. So they they have a nice balance there. They're there. They they you know they really respect their patrons, and they have collectors there who buy something from every show. They go uh, and uh, they go. I'm nice. gonna get a piece from which 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 piece am I gonna get from this show? Yeah, that's so, nice. Uh, that's awesome. It's, yeah, yeah, and it was it was really it was really nice. Even though there was no, it was kind of like a soft opening where we just limited guests to came in. It was um, just a real great experience, and uh, I, it was up for from October to until the end of December, mid mid December. So oh, that's that was, cool. it was pretty great. Yeah, it, it gives people a lot of time to see it, you know, and or have a chance. Well, during the pandemic, that made a lot of sense. It gives people time, it, you know. You don't want like a, a group of people all at once, you know. I mean, now yeah. and soon, if not already, we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to go back to grand openings, you know. So yeah, and I don't know. I mean, there was something something about it where people can three or four people at a time in there at most and there's something to be said for that too. there is there is there is something to be said because it. it does make it feel intimate um especially if you are a patron or a visitor to a gallery and the artist is there and it's not a lot of people you're going to f- probably feel more comfortable talking to the artist about the work and get to know them you know that's and that's always a big bonus in my opinion yeah yeah it was really unexpected we didn't know what was going to happen and 
I mean, nearly everything sold, which is fantastic. Wow, we made it affordable congrats. for people. Yeah, uh, I couldn't have imagined. I had a show uh, set up. All the shows that got canceled, I don't think mm-hmm. they would have been this successful yeah. in both the showing, uh, the sales, but and also just the the reaction from people. So, and that's why I made the book, the exhibition book, because I just thought it's just nice to commemorate. It all seeing all the work in one place, but then also, you know, there's a photo. I don't really need too many photos of myself, but yeah. <laughs> I've got my mask on. Yeah. I'm in front of the work and I'm like, no, we need to make sure that we have the masks on because this is important. Yes. This is important. If yes. we're going to live through this thing, I want to look back and go, yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's that's for it uh, like. for uh, documentation and a piece of history. You know, that was a piece of history right there. So when people see this book in the future, they'll see that, you know, like, oh, that was during that time. And they made all this great art and people will still came out to see it, you know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that was it. So I'm, I don't know what the next series where, you know, I don't know where it's going. There's been talked about the compound. There's been talked about a bunch of, a bunch of different places. Still, I make work. I don't make work for shows anymore. I, I just make work. Yeah. And then, and then I just round up the stuff that'll be right for the right space yeah. at the right time. So people are like, oh, you're working on your next show? And I'm like, I'm always just making. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's as if I was having a show, you know, next month, usually all the time. I don't know. Um, usually they have to stop me. <laughs> like Matt, Matt and Lena were like, I had this one big sculpture in there that was kind of like a two, a flat pack style, yeah. two and a half D sculpture. And I had two of them already going, hmm. two more. And and this thing was, you know, it's good seven, six, seven feet tall. And and they were just, they were just saying, it's funny because they were so encouraging and they, it's like it hurt them to say, Hey, I think we have enough for the show. <laughs> and, uh, cause I would have kept going, you know, well, and yeah, uh, I would have d- done everything. And they just said, Hey, I think we're, um, I think we're done here. I don't know. You know, they didn't want to, and I wish, you know, uh, I need to be t- told to stop, you know, uh, yeah, or at yeah. least just start working on the next one. And then I took a couple of, uh, maybe a month and a, month and a half off and i just uh i was hard i was gonna say <laughs> that really sounds a little uncanny for you to not t- take a, a four weeks yeah so you i started going crazy again yeah. and just be like okay look i'm not painting <laughs> like, i'm not painting at all yeah, i'm not I'm, painting I'm, I'm at just all over so here I, just, I happen to find this pencil and, and piece of paper I, seriously <laughs> yeah yeah so um and that led to something else so you know it's just 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 how it goes and uh i need it i need it for therapy you know it's it's cheaper it's cheaper than it's cheaper than therapy so yeah no no it is it is and it's also it, it becomes a part of you you know what i mean it's like you can't help it, it it's just a it's like a drug in that sense you know you just can't help it it just overtakes you and you just keep doing it there are a lot of people yeah yeah, when you're not making stuff, you're probably prone to buying things for the retail therapy right. end of it. So yeah. why, you know, I think we've talked about that in the past. Yeah. Know, it's just like, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's how people, I don't know, it's an itch that needs to be scratched. And when it isn't, it, other things are going to fill that hole. Exactly. No, and you're correct about that. Yes, sir. Yeah, right. Between this show and my doing my own work and doing, you know, like we, we talked about with me doing documentaries, it's, I'm, I got to stay busy too. It, it's, it's. I, I, you know, love making things. I can't help it. You know. It's, yeah, you you don't have time. To, you don't even realize that your car is is beat up or whatever because <laughs> you don't you don't care. You know. Yeah. You're just like, hey, it works. It gets me to go to the next thing I got to go do. But I just I don't need to. I don't even I don't even see it. 
you don't see those things. No, you know, uh, I, I don't, I'm not comparing this to that. All those things are kind of trivial because your head is figuring out puzzles and doing all these things and not, you're not distracted because it's, it's, it's better than being distracted. You know, you're, uh, I don't know. It's like a purpose. Well, it's, you're using your body and mind. You know, and yeah. it, it really, it does. Because, like, especially when you're moving into the more of the uh, 3D and kind of sculptural painted stuff, you know, it's like you're starting to use your body as well. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's been strange. Yeah. That's been strange. I, I have to put certain sculptures in, the, in our oven here because the uh, some of the wood now uh, was so expensive. I think they're just, the, the sap was coming out at one point. Yeah. I painted a few pieces and then, and I started, they started bubbling up. Hmm. And I didn't realize that the sap was coming out of it. I thought it was fully dry. Yeah, and, sometimes uh, you can use. So I, now I now I take all the sculptures and put them in the oven for a couple of hours. Well, that that's a good idea actually to dry it out yeah. more. Or you can also yeah. uh, live better through chemistry. You can use uh, mineral spirits and uh, dry out the wood that way. But that's right. Yeah, and 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 actually, um, hand sanitizer. <laughs> well, true. Uh, uh, denatured alcohol, which is mm-hmm. you know, do not drink or touch denatured alcohol. I have mm-hmm. to do that for safety purposes, but uh, uh, the natured alcohol is really good for drying out uh, wood uh, and also mm-hmm. cleaning, you know, but it's really a good, yeah. uh, good element. Um, yeah. So, hey, let's let's pivot to uh-huh. the fun stuff, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Labeled this the Atta boy being in dot, dot, dot. So first off, you said you were in a band. Tell me about this band. <laughs> yeah. Well, band band is a interesting word. Uh, we were a band of. <laughs> well, at first, Uh-oh. it was uh, this guy Burke and I. We met on on something called the Popcorn Anti Theater Bus. Okay. So it was. Um, I was. Oh boy, it's very San Francisco. <laughs> it was great. I moved out here from the East Coast, and uh, there was a thing where there was something called the Mexican Bus, and it was a bus that would pick people up so they don't have to drive drunk i think right and uh it was kind of mexican themed and it would go around the different parts of the mission anyways there was over um, in the mission district yeah 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 it was a performance bus so you people meet at the grocery store and they would pile onto this bus this like school bus it was a school bus converted school bus and it would drive into different parts of the town of san francisco a lot of abandoned areas. Yeah. Everybody would file off the bus like a crazy field trip <laughs> and you would see a seven to 10 minute performance by you don't know what. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. Uh, yeah. And there are places, a lot of these places are places you wouldn't want to go by yourself. Yeah. But yeah. had a certain beauty to them, you know? So it was like an industrial area, abandoned this or that, or just these strange things that conveniently had uh, a hole in the fence <laughs> before you got there. <laughs> You know, and yeah. you'd go through and they'd be like little torches or like flashlights or something or a generator set up somewhere. And you would see the Devilettes, a 20 person group of women of all different shapes and sizes doing like can can dancing and go go dancing. Oh, well, that's pretty yeah. cool. And then you stop at another place and you would see an orchestra set up. Okay. And then you'd be set up on another one. And then you'd see me and Burke doing whatever the hell is that we did, which was we'd be coming out of a car. We'd open the hood of a Cadillac and we'd pop out of the Cadillac and we'd be the verbal dismantlers. And we would talk about car parts, but in a poetic, funny kind of way, pre, pre tenacious D and flight of the Concords kind of strange kind of way and and burke was more of a street preacher type okay and i was more of the weird kind of comic relief 
I think. <laughs> I think in hindsight. I don't know. Yeah. So well, we were kinda, that's kind of how it started. And uh, so I found him on that bus because I was, uh, quote, auditioning for the bus by being on the bus and walking on or crawling over the seats, like right in front of people, yeah, you know, right yeah. like in their faces. Yeah. And that's how I, because I, I said, hey, do I send you a tape or something or whatever? No, because I have the East Coast mentality. Yeah, and they said, yeah. well, you can come and do your thing on the bus and we'll see if it's good. So I said, okay. Wow, yeah. And I just started doing it. And they're like, you're on. Awesome. <laughs> so, And then I saw Burke doing his thing, which time he was doing this like, almost like Shakespearean tribute to Princess Leia or something. Hmm. And he's amazing. He's just amazingly talented. He could get anybody to listen to anything wow that is a talent and, yeah actually. oh yeah he's just and deep funny and deep at the same time you know hmm. and he looked like a rooster and he would <laughs> anyways he would do this thing and then so i saw him one day and i remember saying going like dude we can't both be doing this on the same bus yeah yeah <laughs> so so we started doing it together by taking turns right yeah <laughs> and then so we walked around it was like the best mandate i've ever been on in my life <laughs> so we walked all over the city and all we did was every poem, every weird song, every weird thought we had in our head, back and forth to each other. And we must have looked like two crazy people walking. But, you know, in San Francisco, maybe we look like just normal people. But were we were probably, going yeah. along and at the time, especially. And, and we just kind of like just purged ourselves of everything we've ever said. <laughs> and so we did that for hours. And, and I remember... So we ended up doing that as Attaboy and Burke at different events, at junkyards, at rock quarries. Uh, we ended up performing on, on the BART train and we would go from one stop, get off at the next stop and then go back on and then go back the other direction oh, and get off and go do the next one. And we would do that as like training, you know. And then we were at a theater once and we ended up adding a band and the band was under all these cardboard boxes. Okay. Like for half the show, they were hiding under these cardboard boxes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and one was a stand-up bass. So oh, that's some talent. Um, How did you get that? And then we were, what? <laughs> that's some talent right there with a the stand-up bass. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. And so we ended up lifting the boxes up and they were there the whole time. Yeah. And it became the ultimate finale. It was a total joke. And, but yeah. then that part became more and more important and more involved and then we end up making music so initially burke and i would do poetry things we do performance art festivals we do fringe festivals wow then we would do theaters we did a theater show and it was way too long but thank goodness people the show was way too long but we'd integrate our friends the rubber boy uh daniel browning smith if you've ever seen a the world's best contortionist if you ever seen him on tv or on netflix on that stan lee show right that was our friend daniel so we would bring him out in a little box and he'd pop out and we'd give him the reverb elixir sonic fixer or something <laughs> and then it would be a medicine show style thing yeah and uh <laughs> we would pop out of from we'd have these shows and and with popcorn theater and and what's great about popcorn it was like seven minutes so if you didn't like the thing was going on, like if it was a magician or if it was like uh, just something you weren't into, you know, some yeah. weird like thespian talking about, you know, doing some some pinter play or something, right? right. So if, if you watch something and you weren't interested, you just look up at the stars and you just be like, and people brought their own booze. So they yeah. were just, they were the world's best uh, audience. Because <laughs> uh, who would go do this, you know? But, well, but I, cool people. Yeah. And, exactly. And you knew it was going to be over in 10 minutes. <laughs> well, so you true. might as well pay attention or yeah, at least you, enjoy it. Yeah, it, it, or fake it, right? 
you know, but yeah, yeah, it was just the best audience, man. People are just into it. And that's kind of where we got our sea legs as kind of a, cause I was doing performance poetry. When I came out here, I went to every single open thing ever. I went to them all and I did them. That's all I did. That's all I did was, and, and poetry readings. And I, I didn't do slams though, because I don't believe in, in poetry slams. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want it to be a contest and I don't want to be, be rehearsed as much as it was performative and, and changing. I wanted to like, kind of, um, you know, respond to the, be a little bit more on the improv end and, and, and incorporate the room when you can, you know? <laughs> And uh, anyways, that was then. Then we started started playing at a place called uh, the Odeon Bar, which uh, this guy Chicken John, who was who did a there's a documentary uh, on him called Circus Ridiculous, and it was a talentless punk rock circus that toured around, and and they had they had no show, so he opened up a bar, and uh, ever hear of Chicken at all? No, I have not, but now I am going to look for chicken. <laughs> I'm sure. He uh he used to play with Gigi Allen. Oh uh, he, that chicken. Uh, that yeah, chicken. He okay. Played, uh, he's a Okay. Uh, he's it's like so a, it's that chicken. All right. I was just thinking, you know, because you know, people have nicknames, it can be the same. Okay, it's that guy. Okay. 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 Yeah. I mean, okay. he was really young at, at Gigi Allen's band, but I yeah. think uh, I think he's got a collection of Gigi Allen mics, so I don't know how sanitized they are. Yeah. <laughs> but if you know anything about Gigi, he yeah. was a Yep. He he liked he loved his microphones. He we'll really loved yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's very intimate with his microphones. So, yes. Uh, and I also think chicken played. I, I'm talking about too much chicken, too much about chicken, which is exactly what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I think he played bass in the uh, Right Said Fred song. I'm too sexy too, but I'm not exactly sure. You're not sure. I okay. I'll, we'll have to ask him that. <laughs> yeah, he ran for mayor. He had the circus. Uh, we would do. We'd go on little tours, and Adam Wayne Burke would go. And we'd play, and we normally had people like the Yo-Yo King, Jim Rose Circus Sideshow later on that right. show. Yeah, yeah. He's our friend. Okay. And uh, we'd have like kind of these kind of human cartoons and we'd work them into our acts uh, a bit into the songs. And, and the band was fantastic. And there's no guitars. It was like DJ, uh, bass, and uh, more a, percussion. Did you and have a boombox too? I, I, for some reason, I remember seeing a picture of you or someone holding up a boombox. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but uh, I don't. Oh, oh, that no, that was Voltron. We we're hiding. Uh, oh, it was a Voltron. Voltron yes, I think. yeah, yeah. Okay. That was probably Burke. We had a, we had a thing for Voltron at the time. And, and I don't uh, blame you. And yeah, we did a song called uh, Thousand Robots and we did this EP and the producer was great. And it was actually <laughs> trivia fact. The song was featured in a Seth Meyers movie called See This Movie okay. with him and John Chu, I think his name is, the actor yeah. from uh, Harold and Kumar. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're at the end credits, but we're also in a, in a driving scene that our song is in there. And, uh, it was it's uh, it could have been a better movie i'll put it that way but um uh <laughs> you know we did all this stuff and then what happens was everybody kind of paired off it well they started finding their significant others and yeah. that's usually that's, um the that... guys in the band were great they were thing is they were like scientists and and swimming you know world-class swimming instructors and jeez and like uh people who made leather clad bases and 
uh, just, you know, people, they were wow. really smart. It wasn't like the Ramones, you know, <laughs> the Ramones seem, seem from what I know, the Ramones, they had nothing to live for. <laughs> yeah. It kind of meat fisted sometimes. Yeah. It, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. So it was like, well, this is what we have. So we're just going to battle it out here on stage. You know, so these guys were actually, you know, too smart or something. So, but, uh, you know, Burke and I did a bunch of, a lot of stuff. We had a really, um, good, a good run there for a while. It was, like I said, before Tenacious D or Flight of the Concords or something. But the funny thing is a lot of the stuff was pre, pre-internet, pre-social media. So all these kind of shows we would have, we had one called Lockjaw at, at, a, at a junkyard yeah. and, and all these different places. We did one in Golden Gate Park on a, on a bridge without asking anybody, you know, Locked. Um, and we I like the people show up, you know, and they would yeah. show up and it would be kind of like an email list. But nowadays that would be either really popular or shut down in a second. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's either one or the others. There's no in between on that. <laughs> yeah. So all the video we have is pretty, pretty bad. And it was kind of, uh, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it was definitely a different kind of, kind of, kind of thing. I, and who I knows? don't know. I, I, I miss it in, in some ways and other right. ways I, I don't. Yeah, um, I'm not a good person to hang out with <laughs> unless we're working on a project. Like, I don't know how to relax. Yeah. Oh. Or the way I relax is by doing projects. Yeah. So, I, I know I know a few people who are the same way. You know, you got to give them, put something in their hands and they're, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I run a business together. So it's just, True. that's even that. It's just, and sometimes we joke like, oh, I'm glad we have the business to, <laughs> to work on together, you know, because we're two control freaks who <laughs> need to be doing things. And and uh, that's just kind of how it was. In hindsight, it was a real drag to be around because I was just really focused on what we can do for the show. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, I never could like, just go to the movies or something. You know? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, I, I can. With, I can pick up when you were thrown it, you down. Know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to hang out, man. I don't. I. I just don't know how to hang out. I. I don't understand it. Well, I just. Well, that's the thing. You obviously you have a predefined idea of what hanging out is. So you know, some people yeah. have a different interpretation of of hanging out. You know, so. I, yeah, I guess. But to me, that's also a, a way of like what's a real genuine way of, of being with somebody is working on something together, you know? Um, well, yeah. My best, my, my best friend Steve and I, uh, best friend growing up, we, our relationship started with us working on, we were like making an underground paper and then we were like, okay, we're going to make our own dictionary. Okay, now we're, now we're going to make a, uh, we're going to be in a band because we have a, an answering machine. That's kind of how we orchestrated our hangout times were working on these projects, you know? So, and that's kind of how we got out of where we lived, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, yeah. So the band kind of did went away. I don't know if it's ever fully over, but it, it wasn't like we <laughs> we hate each other or anything like that. But yeah, uh, yeah. Burke it, is now. I think he did a TED talk somewhere, <laughs> and he went on a trip with that artist uh, Swoon, and they created their own boat that of recycled materials okay i think and i've heard they, about they, that and okay. yeah they wrote it through the venice biennial or something okay that's probably where i heard it then okay yeah yeah he did a lot of puppet shows um i think he started a church i don't know exactly what he's doing right now but i just know he's you know he's definitely a force to be reckoned with well it sounds I like just, he's another um, another yeah. creator 
That's what he sounds like. You know, he just says, yeah, just like, yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. He could memorize things in a second. I was so bad at memorizing things. He's like an actor that way. He just looked at a thing three times and he'd be on it. Like, oh man. Yeah. I I can relate. I know where you're coming from. Yeah. It's, yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised I can remember my name sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. But uh, anyways, that was Adam Wayne Burke. And uh, so, yeah, we did things at this, this junkyard. And that's where they're doing a documentary about this junkyard. which is and, a great uh, segue because I happened the other yeah. day, look on the Instagram and it's like, here you are, you know, <laughs> it's a, a mid shot and you're talking about this place, a uh, magical junkyard. And it's like, oh, what is, <laughs> please, sir, tell me about it, you know. <laughs> and how well, are you Ace Junkyard involved? was an amazing place. Bill the Junkyard or Wilhelmina was his alter ego. I didn't know Wilhelmina until I showed up at the, at the show we were doing, Lockjaw. And I was like, oh, who's that? It's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, that's Bill. I mean, Wilhelmina. He's yeah. like, hello, I'm Wilhelmina. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, that was very San Francisco. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, you, you know, you didn't normally expect uh, Wilhelmina to be running a, a junkyard. No, you would not. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, what's, the world needs to fix that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh but it was a real working junkyard it had a giant crane and it had a stage made of cadillacs and it uh, where the lights would turn on yeah you know the, the stage lights were actually lights from the cars oh cool um it had you know f- uh, fire canisters everywhere nice um, giant robots would invade sometimes <laughs> uh that machine art outfit as uh, survival research laboratories would do shows there. That, well, I'm not surprised. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and they would, uh, they were fine. They were really great, but I, I would never want to be on a bill with them again because <laughs> what happens is, is whenever they get set up, that's when their show starts. Yeah. And so no matter if you're in the middle of a set or you're doing something, they will just start sh- shooting two by fours at giant Toys R Us signs and smashing them. Um, wow. With their machine gun that is that shoots two by fours. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah, I would like a little heads up before that goes on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So needless to say, when you're in the middle of a show and something like that's happening, a lot of the attention will go towards that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's and that's probably what their point was, right? Yeah. 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 But we did a show called Lockjaw and it was fantastic. I, it was one of my favorite things I think we've ever done. And I was at Ace Junkyard and we corralled everyone up. We had caution tape mm-hmm. and uh, crime scene tape and then we corralled them up and then we took a big uh, hedge clipper to the, to the tape and then people went to the first station, which was, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was like, what was it called? Like White Trash Opera or somebody singing <laughs> Carmen or something like that. But, with, but you know, in the junkyard. I could see that. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just fantastic. And then there was a dildo puppet show and all the dildos were found in the backseat of uh, one of the cars that was found in the junkyard. Oh, wow. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually have a, have a story about that too there's too many dildos in our stories but um <laughs> this was right after not real quickly right after nine i've already ruined the punchline but right after 9 11 we had a show in new york yeah and so my wife annie and i and burke and everybody the whole band so we we're checking our bags and one of the bags was too heavy 
because it was over 50 pounds or something. Right. And we were late for our plane and chicken shows up in a pickup truck and gives us all this extra luggage. Forgot that part. Yeah. So he gave us all this luggage because he was like, divide it up between you all and then you all this stuff will get there and I won't have to pay to ship it. So I said, <laughs> okay. okay. And of course, what do they ask you at, at the airport? They ask you, has anyone strange and weird and, and with possibly a fake mustache giving you luggage or anything you don't know is in, <laughs> right. in the contents of, right? Right. And of course we said, no. <laughs> so, and he was double parked in a, in a pickup truck in front of the airport. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we get these things out. So they say, okay, listen, you have to get rid of some of the stuff that's in this luggage. So we put all the luggage out on the floor and I turn around and my wife, Annie has it open and she has in her hands in each hand are these giant mega dildos oh, no. and they're flopping around and she has this look on her face. Like, oh no. <laughs> her look on her face. And, and she says, how much do you think one of these weighs? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just never forget that. You know, it's just like, what the hell? And she's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. What did we get ourselves into? <laughs> yes. And so that we end up making the flight, uh, sleeping literally on the floor of somebody's house. And we had a crazy show in Brooklyn there at a place called the Madagascar Institute of something. It was, it was an amazing show, but wow. Yeah, so that's that was part of the thing. But back to the junkyard. So a lot of things can be found in the junkyard, including dildos <laughs> that people make into yeah. puppets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as well as in this documentary that's coming up, uh, and it's great. And I can't wait for it to finally come out. They filmed a lot of it like through, nah, maybe about five years ago. Oh, geez. And Bill, Bill used to run it in such an interesting way. I mean, I mean, you would just, people from... All walks of life would go there. So people who were actually living there uh, in the junkyard, people who were working on their cars, people who had no education, people who had master's degrees working on their art projects, people yeah. working on their burning man projects, all these different people would kind of mingle there and they would make projects and everything was sliding scale. So depending on how cool your project was, that was the price yeah, or okay. if you could afford it or not really. Right. And, and Bill was the sweetest guy, almost too sweet. I mean, that's the problem, you know, I think is what happened. But they had something there called Power Tool Drag Races. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, they had uh, Cycle Side was had a home base there. Cycle Side was these bicycles that were just amazing. They're like three bicycles, high bicycles, oh, okay. where people would ride them. And, yeah. and, and they'd have bike rodeos where they'd have jousting with the bicycles. And the funny thing about it is people would show up and one bike would smash in the other bike and a guy would go flying. And, and the audience wouldn't understand that when something comes flying at you at the junkyard, you should move out of the way. Yeah. Be yeah. Because these are not trained professionals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and yeah. it was funny because there was a whole group there, and they're sweet. I used to see them a bunch, but it's funny because uh, there's a, a contingent there that, to me, seemed to act like pirates, you know? Hmm. But the <laughs> thing is, if you act like a pirate long enough, you become a pirate. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, you, the, the teeth start getting missed. You know, the, the, yeah. the fingers, people are missing fingers. Right. The tattoos start you know, showing things up. Things like that started happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyways, the junkyard was a one of a kind kind of place, very Bay Area and very part of the fabric of the kind of, and a lot of the machine art things came out of there. I was about the to say. Come out of there. Yeah. And, and this fantastic flame throwing 
you know, machines and, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the junkyard. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You, uh, let people know when, when it comes out. Cause I definitely want to watch this now. Cause... Yeah. I think they showed a, a preview at a, at a drive through movie, uh, thing at Fort Mason a couple months ago. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, chicken runs ran that, I think as well as a thing called, uh, camp tipsy. Interesting people take over a lake and build their own watercraft to see if it floats. Oh, yeah. That, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called Camp Tipsy for that reason. Camp Tipsy, and, yeah. And, yeah, so there was that. It was kind of like like a like a camp of of, of interesting... Uh, of people being tipsy water, and interesting people. Craft. Yeah. Well, I, I want to go yeah. back to the fact that you, you did a show called Lockjaw in a Junkyard. That just is a yeah. brilliant, brilliant name. See, I named it that. Yeah. yeah. I just I, thought that would be perfect. Yeah, and, because, and, you know, there's a big sign there that said, <laughs> this is a junkyard. Yeah. Yeah, this just is a real reminding junkyard. you that right. this is a junkyard and that when flames come up, you might want to move out of the way. Right. Or and that you... there might be some kind of gas still left in some of those cars. Yeah. So we don't know. <laughs> or if you don't have a tetanus shot, you can get lockjaw because you stepped on that piece of metal. Yeah, that's. <laughs> so when you're complaining to us about getting getting hurt at a place called lockjaw, you know, you're kind of um, asking for it. Yeah, so, kind of are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about Timothy. Let's talk okay. about Timothy, the amazing succulent. Yes. Who is Timothy? What is his story? What is his backstory? Where did he come from? <laughs> what is his humble beginnings? <laughs> the humble beginnings of, of Timothy. Well, Timothy was an eight-year-old agave succulent and who just happened to blossom and sprout this giant, like the last giant growth of its life. He goes out with a bang. These succulents go out with a bang with a giant growth that goes up in the middle and the big old thing i don't know what you call it a sprout a sprout and uh so during the pandemic this happened and it, the sprout kept growing and growing and went taller than our house it was it's huge it was a monster and and it was fantastic and amazing so uh during the pandemic all the all of our shows got canceled everything everybody's freaking out yeah and the neighborhood was walking around like a like a zombie video game everybody wasn't talking to each other but they were like motioning but not and like staying away from everybody but everybody was walking around our neighborhood i'm sure it was like that in your neighborhood too yes right? it was everybody just walking and walking and walking so and all we did was talk about the same things over and over <laughs> again so i put up uh, a dozen flyers in our in our neighborhood come see timothy the amazing succulent i don't know why he's called timothy first name that came to my head before i wrote it down on the poster made it kind of like a sideshow poster kind of thing and so i just invited people to come see the amazing timothy at you know the corner of this net so and people did so people were coming by they were taking selfies with timothy then they were uh, doing drive-by shouts at timothy <laughs> and then they were leaving gifts for timothy oh wow and then timothy and then recently we went to this backyard thing and people didn't know where we lived or who we were. Yeah. But when somebody said they had Timothy, that's where they live. They went, Timothy! <laughs> like, they just knew Timothy equals, you know, say Timothy. So uh, people were just walking by <laughs> and, and have you seen Timothy? It was just pretty funny. And the whole point of that is, I mean, I was going to, like, do something for, like, our fire hydrant and dress it up like a disco or something and have <laughs> right. people dance in front of the fire hydrant or right. something. But, yeah. Because this idea of noticing things that are around you and taking, taking, absorbing them is something I find really interesting, especially with art. And, you know, whether it's Andy Warhol with Campbell's soup cans, you know, you end up, you'll never see a Campbell's soup can the same way. Well, true. So the idea of the things that you take for granted and that you're walking by every day, and, and if you don't notice the amazing things around you, 
um, then, you know, you're, you're missing out. Exactly. So, and, and it just, I think it tapped into people just, they wanted to, to talk and think about something else for a second. And I think that's a big theme with the things I like to do. Um, and and it was free and it was, was you know, um, well, I was going to say, and also reframing things in in a way. Well, I was going to say that also it helped your neighborhood become more, uh, more, of a community come together, you know, gave some, you know, gave them something to think about, talk about, like you said, notice something every day. And and that's why I think Timothy is amazing. You know, oh, you know, yeah. Cause of, yeah. Uh, so, and Timothy right after the, it's funny because just a couple months ago, it was, you know, tipped over finally in a storm, yeah, the, oh, the sprout. Yeah. And that was it for Timothy. Cause that's their last go. But uh, that when the succulent gets that way, but, but Timothy had, hundreds of little 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 timothys was growing on it so now we have all these little timothys and we give them the people and we have one and we're growing another one so it yeah there was this kind of a i don't know just this kind of a simple wonder element to it and it really kept me occupied and i just remember doing it just going like i didn't know what to do with myself you know and i was tired of the narrative of my day being controlled by something i couldn't control right and i hate that yeah hate that and that's when you feel that's when you start getting depressed and then when you know and i think that's why people take uh, drugs when they're when they shouldn't right i think they, they need it's not just it's about escapism it's about control it's like i'm gonna feel happy when i want to feel happy yeah that's true that's you, true you know or that's why they eat too much or they want to whatever it is it's just like i want to dictate this for once so that's kind of, I kind of like that, that, to be like, no, I'm going to make this situation the best I can. And I'm going to uh, remember that things are stupid and fun too. You yes. know, we can have a good time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we if, can't re- remember, we take ourselves too seriously. Yes, we do. Know? We do. Really, we do. Sometimes you got to take a break from even being serious and, and taking a break. I am looking forward to seeing the plaque. Of, of the <laughs> Timothy Amazing, and also the T-shirt and documentary. Uh, I don't know about that. Or the legend. How about this? I don't do any of those things, and now it's the legend of Timothy. Because uh, it could become an oral story. You know, yes. it can be passed down yeah. to generations and generations. So then, yeah. you know, uh, right. folklorists will not be able to know what's really true about Timothy the Amazing. Succulent. That's true. That's true. And, so and, and that's right. We'll, that. we'll never know. Did, was that real? Did people actually go around and say hello to a plant? Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, yes, they did. Wow. Things must have been really boring during those. It's like, no, <laughs> they were actually way too exciting. Yeah, exactly. It was way too exciting. So much that we had to talk to plants. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it's also the same spot in front of our very house in that same spot. Like, like maybe 10 feet over was where a plane's tire fell from the sky and fell from the sky on its way to the Oakland airport. What? And we're not, yep, and fell and, and bounced in front of our house before we lived here. And we, we have people who have heard about it and they saw the crater and then it bounced down our street and rolled down the hill. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yeah. That wow. So that's, that's, yeah. So maybe it's a magical spot. Where maybe it is because I mean, you know, <laughs> Timothy was there. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, a little known fact about Timothy that I heard uh, on the internet that uh, that uh, Timothy came to us from another time and dimension. Uh, I don't I know if that's true or not. Surprised. 
I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. And a little shop of horrors or something. I don't oh, know. It, feed it's me Seymour. To, to teach us the value of the moment. Maybe that's know. why Timothy is also amazing because he's teaching us about the moment. Thank you. Maybe. Thank you, Timothy. Maybe. Yeah. Long live Timothy. Long live Timothy. The amazing. <laughs> I want to say thank you to Daniel for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to learn more about Daniel's work, go to yumfactory.com. He's on Instagram at yumfactory. To hear past episodes of Artbox, go to artboxdnv.com. And Artbox is on Instagram, you guessed it, at artboxdnv. So, until next time, thank you for listening. Oh, 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 oh